So the, the last couple of weeks, two weeks ago, we talked about uh, his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Uh, the, the king is coming. And, and we saw that very up close in that story. And then last week in John 1, the king is coming. We saw that from the what I call the 5,000 feet, right? The airplane shot of Christ is coming into the world. And I told you that today, Lord willing, that we'd talk about why he came. Yes, he came. Why did he come? And what we have in the book of John is him from his own mouth telling us why he came, why he was born. Uh, why was there a newborn king in Bethlehem? What was his answer uh, when it came to why he was here. So I want you to turn again to, like I said, to John 18. I want to set up for you what's going on here. We've kind of jumped around a little bit in our Advent text. Uh, we're, we're stepping back just for a little bit of time from finishing out our series on the book of Luke where we've been going through there uh, verse at a time, chapter at a time, and, and, and being blessed by that. But in John 18... Uh, this is after the triumphant entry. Remember, Jesus had been ministering on the earth uh, for about three years, going and preaching the kingdom. He had been healing those uh, that were afflicted. He'd been delivering those that were oppressed of the devil. And a lot of people thought his kingdom was going to be right then, that when he went to Jerusalem, he was going to set up his kingdom and overtake the Romans. And so this is after his triumphant entry, after he cleared the temple. He's been in Jerusalem. He's been, been, been teaching. He had the Last Supper with his disciples. And then he was sold, he was betrayed uh, for 30 pieces of silver to the religious authorities who had been just brewing with hatred and animosity toward him and what he was teaching and what he was doing. And so he was arrested by them and uh, uh, accused based on what they said he had said and, and taught. And he'd already been before the high priest as what we're about to read because, uh, again, they, they, they can't stand him. They want to be rid of him. They want to kill him. And to do that, they had to present him to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of the area at that time, because they knew if they had simply taken him, executed him, not only would they be in trouble with their people, they'd also be in trouble with the Romans. The Romans didn't like you doing anything without them signing off on it. So they led him to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. They wanted him uh, to put Jesus to death. And, and then it picks up. Pilate is talking to Jesus in John 18. And, and I'm going to read starting in verse 28. And then I want to pray over the word uh, as we continue this morning. So there in 18 and verse 28, it says Jesus's trial before Caiaphas ended early in the hours of the morning. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, what is your charge against this man? And they said, we wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. And then take him away and judge him by your own law, Pilate told them. And they said, only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, they replied. And it says this fulfilled Jesus's prediction about the way he would die. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus replied, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? 
Am I a Jew? Pilate retorted your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for a trial. Why? What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you are a king. And Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is truth. What is truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and told them he's not guilty of any crime. Let's pray over the word this morning. Father, as we open your word, I pray that you open our eyes to the wonders of it. As we look into it and see Jesus, I thank you that we'll see him more clearly, that you'll encourage us today with who you are and what you've done for us. The miracle, the majesty, the mystery of Christ coming to the earth. I thank you that we will see you more clearly and seeing you more clearly, we'll walk more closely with you. We thank you for your goodness. We pray for those uh, that, that are of, uh, among us, God, or out from us that, that aren't well today. I thank you that health and wholeness will return to them. Strength in Jesus' name, that you are able to meet them right where they are and minister health and healing and encouragement to their hearts and their bodies and their minds. We pray that you relieve us from the threat of illness in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus presented to Pilate by the religious authorities and their goal was to get Pilate to kill Jesus, to order him to be executed. And their manner of doing that was going to be to tell Pilate he claims to be a king. He claims to be the king of the Jews. It blasphemes our law and it threatens your rule because they didn't just, you know, if you were the Romans and you had rule over Jerusalem, you had rule over Israel. You didn't want somebody coming and setting up and saying, I'm the king here because they may lead a rebellion against you. It may be something that you would then have to fight and try to squash. So Pilate comes to Jesus after getting frustrated with the people that brought him in and says, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus responds back. He said, well, are you asking me that? Is that a question from your heart? Are you concerned with that? Or has somebody just told you that that's what I am? Of course, Pilate said, do I look like I'm a Jew to you? I'm not. And then Jesus said, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. What's he saying? I'm not a threat to what you're doing like you think I would be a threat to what you're doing. But when he says my kingdom, the kingdom is the dominion or the domain of a king. So Pilate said, so you are a king then. And Jesus responded, you say that. But as a matter of fact, I was born for this. I came into the world for this. This is what we're going to talk about today. Remember, why did he say that he came to testify of the truth, 
to testify of the truth. So first, we're going to talk about the what that he's talking about, what he did. He said, I was born for this. I came into the world for this. So even though this is a scripture that you normally read around Easter leading up to the remembrance of the crucifixion and the resurrection, there's a beautiful Advent verse tucked right into there when he says, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. Notice it says he was both born and came in to the world, born and came in to the world. That's what makes him unique. He said he was born for a purpose. This is why I came in to the world. 700 years before he said this, the prophet Micah would write in chapter five and verse two of the book of Micah. It says, Bethlehem, you are small among the clans of Judah. But one will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. God is speaking. He said one is going to come from Bethlehem to be a ruler over Israel for me. And then it says he is from of old, from ancient days. See, Jesus was born just like you and me were born, but he wasn't created like you and I were created. He existed before. We saw that last week in John 1, that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was there before everything was created and it was created through him. He had no start and so he has no end. And John 1 told us he, he's the one and only that's like that. He's the unique one and he came to reveal to us who the father is. Is So he was born and came in to the world because he is from of old, from the beginning. And again, Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? And he said, are you asking me? Or are you just repeating what they said? And Pilate got a little frustrated. And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, if it was my servants would fight to keep me from being turned over. My kingdom isn't from here. I wouldn't be standing here in front of you if it was. My kingdom is not from here. And, and then we get over into the why he came. Pilate said, you are a king then because you said you have a kingdom. You are a king. And he said, you say that I'm a king. I came into the world to testify to the truth. I was born for this reason. And he said, everyone who is of the truth will listen to my voice. And Pilate said, what is truth? What is truth? Right. In his mind, there was no truth. There was no absolute in life. He's like, the truth is I'm in charge. You're not. The truth is Rome is here. You know, you're not an issue. What, what is truth? It's, it was relative to him. So when we see this in culture today, when we see this in the world today, that, that oh, there is no absolute truth. Know that it's not a new thing. It's an opinion and a thought that's been out there for a long time. It's not a new Problem. Now, why wouldn't Jesus say, yep, you, you better believe I'm a king. That's what I am. And, and here's the here's how this is going to go. Well, first, it would have given him reason to have him executed. Jesus wasn't going to give him a legal reason to have him executed and crucified. But he did tell us why he came, why he was born, why he came into the world to testify to the truth. Now, before we ask a question that's similar to Pilate's, because that was my question. I'm reading this and I was like, he came to testify of the truth. OK, what is the truth? 
different from the way Pilate said, what is truth? Like truth doesn't exist, but what is the truth that he's speaking of? Before we ask that similar question, again, why wouldn't he just say that he came to bring that kingdom here? The reason why is because he said in John 5 and 31 that he wouldn't testify of himself. He said, I don't testify of myself. God sent somebody else to tell you who I was. He, he wrote it down a long time ago to tell you who I was. He said, I don't testify of myself because you would consider that invalid. Now, I don't I don't want this to get lost in the shuffle. But you didn't you weren't able to just walk in and say, this is who I am. This is what I do. Your testimony about yourself would have been invalid. Like if I got up here and said, hey, I don't know if y'all know this, but I'm really good at basketball. Right. Usually when somebody tells you that they're good at something, you really question it, don't you? Why? Because they're testifying about their self. I don't really know if I believe you on that. Like you wouldn't believe that I was very good at basketball and you would be right. I can try hard, but it doesn't make me play well. I promise. But when the testimony of others comes forward and says, no, I know that he is this, that she is this, that this is who they are. This is what they do. This is how they do it. When that starts to stack up, it's much more trustworthy. Right. And so Jesus knew that they, that they wouldn't receive the testimony of him directly from him. He said, I don't testify of myself, but I do have a greater testimony. And he said, the scriptures testify. I mean, that, that's when he said, you know, you search the scriptures and you pride yourself on that. But you miss that they testify or tell of witness the truth of who I am. He said, Moses, you, you believe Moses. Moses wrote about me. He was like, I don't have to tell you who I am. You should already know because it's already been told. He said, I was born to testify to the truth. Now, when you look at that word truth right there, it is what one has seen, known or experienced, which is what we would think. Right. This is what I know because I was there. I saw it. I know it. I experienced it. It is my testimony. I'm a witness to what I saw, what I heard, what I know. And he came to testify to the truth of the father, his kingdom and his prepared work and plan that he had been there from the beginning. He knew it from the beginning. There was nothing that happened that he didn't know about that he hadn't seen and he hadn't experienced. He said, I came to testify of the truth. Now, again, Pilate's question, our question, even though it's a different tone than what he said, what is truth? What is the truth that he is talking about? What is his testimony? I mean, it's the whole thing, right? It's easy enough to say it's the whole thing, but it's really hard for the preacher to say, oh, it's the whole thing. Let's go through it right now this morning. So I, I was praying as I was going over this. I was like, God, how, how can I summarize it? When he said he came to testify the truth, I know what you mean, but how can I share it? How can I describe it and not have everybody here for weeks and weeks and weeks as we I mean, because you would never get to the end of it. And, and thankfully, he, he 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 reminded me of what it says in Romans uh, chapter six. 
Because I said, how can I describe it? This truth that he came to testify to, how can I describe it in short, in, in, in summary? What is the truth that Jesus came to testify to? And it reminded me of what Paul wrote in Romans chapter six and verse 23, when he said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. A great summary of who he is and why he came. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This was the truth he came to testify to. It reminded me, and I love the songs we sang this morning. Every single one of them, I was like, well, you want to preach on the incarnation. These are great songs to lead into that. But I, was, I wrote down the lyric of joy to the world. Because as I, as I read the lyrics of all of these older songs, they just preach the word so well. But in Joy to the World, it's talking about Jesus. He, he comes to make the blessing known far as the curse is found. If the curse, the curse of sin is found there, he comes to make the blessing known. The blessing of what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Remember, he was there from the beginning. We learned that last week. He was there from the start. He's from ancient days. He's from before. So he was there even in the garden. He was there before there was a garden. And he came to testify to the truth that sin is killing us. Sin is destroying us. That is the problem. That's our primary problem. That's our sole problem. If you get down to it, that is the issue. That is the truth. And because it's a real problem, it requires a real answer. Paul spelled it out so clearly when he said the wages of sin is death. It's what sin is owed. See, we think about it almost putting ourselves at the center of it, that when we sin, what we're doing is we're earning death like we earn a paycheck. Like I work for two weeks and then I earn a paycheck. We think of it like I sin for two weeks and I have earned death. But sin is actually the one that that gets to be paid. It said the wages of sin is death. The settling of accounts is coming and death is the payment for sin and it's paid out by us, not paid out to us. Sin earns our death, that's its wages, by us serving it. And again, the settling of accounts is coming. He said, You won't see the kingdom, you won't enter the kingdom unless you are born again. Now, how can we be born again unless there's first? I didn't ever think about this like this. How can we be born again unless there is a death? You don't go from life to being born again. How can you be born again unless there is some type of death? Again, we don't think about that. But for there, for there to be a new birth, there would have to be a death of the old life, Right. And Christ was born, came into the world to testify to this truth that he was the answer. He was the payment so that he could die the death 
that we owed. It was prophesied from the beginning. God told the serpent who brought the temptation, who ended in the sin. He said the, the, the son is coming. The seed of the woman is coming and he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. For the only way for the kingdom to come in its fullness, there would have to be a sufficient sacrifice. All that Jesus did when he was on the earth up to his death was to declare the kingdom has come, but it wouldn't have been able to have been brought without his death, without a sufficient sacrifice. Because other, other than that, we all still die in our sin and there we are. But he told Nicodemus in, in John chapter three, and I'm going to have you turn there because I want to show you something as we're going through this this morning. But he told Nicodemus in John three, he said, no one has ascended to heaven except the one who came down. This is verse 13. No one has ascended to heaven except the one who has come down, the son of man. Remember, that's what Jesus called himself. And we're going to talk about that when we get back into Luke. And then I want to read verse 14 through our most famous one, 16. But it says, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So he says, as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. When well, you remember that story during the Exodus, the children of Israel, they, they had been disobedient. They had been rebellious. They'd been griping and complaining. And their camp was set upon by all of these venomous snakes. And it's they're biting people. People are getting sick. People are dying. God told Moses, craft an image of a snake and put it on a pole and then put it up. And when the people look at it, they'll be healed. And they were and when I read that, Jesus referring, he said, just like Moses lifted up the serpent because he told them, you know, Moses wrote about me. Moses talked about me and y'all just hadn't realized it yet. Moses lifted up the serpent. He said, just like that, the son of man must be lifted up. Now, where did we just finish talking about a serpent? In Genesis. Where sin came in, the tempter came in, he lifted it up saying, hey, look, sin is going to be hoisted up. You're going to see it. And when you look on it, you're going to be healed. And Jesus said, I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to take on the sin of the world. And all those who look on me will be saved, will be healed. He said, just like that, the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. He's like the sin that's tormenting you, that's killing you, that's poisoning you. The poison that's running through your veins. I'm going to be lifted up for that. I'm going to take it on me. What you would die, I'm going to die for you so that when you look on me, you'll be healed. All those who believe in him, the son of man who's lifted up will have eternal life. 
Scripture in 2 Corinthians says that he that knew no sin would be made sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus came. He was sinless. We were sinful. He took on our sin, even though he didn't have to. And then he gave us his righteousness, his right standing with God, even though we didn't deserve it. He that knew no sin would be made sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jump on down in John 3 to verse 31. John the Baptist is talking about Jesus. He says, he has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. What did he came to testify to? The truth. For he is sent, Jesus is sent by God. He speaks God's words for God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment, God's wrath. The father loves the son is putting everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in his son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under wrath. Because if you don't believe in him, how else are you going to get out from underneath it? We have no other answer to get out from underneath the wrath of God, our sinfulness, other than Jesus Christ and his grace. And he said, and I love the way that that speaks to what he affirmed in chapter 18. It said he testifies of what he's seen, what he's heard. He tells the truth because he's seen it. He knows it. He's been around since the beginning. And anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is a teller of the truth. He said it was for this reason that I was born. I came into the world to testify of the truth. He was born because he had to be. He was born because without a birth into coming into this world, he could not die. That was the purpose for him coming in flesh like us was so he would be like us. But remember last week, better than us. He came so that he could die on our behalf and that his life, death and resurrection would give me access to live my life without the fear of death because of the resurrection. I'm going to say that one again. The folks on Facebook didn't get it. His life, his death and his resurrection gives me life without the fear of death and the hope of resurrection. The promise of resurrection that I won't be one who's unbelieving and left underneath God's wrath, but I'll be one who believes the testimony of the unique one who came to tell us the truth. 
the truth that we needed a savior. We were a cursed people. We needed a good and a righteous king. We didn't have one. We were trying to find one. We, were, we always look for somebody who can save us, help us, get us from where we are to where we know that we should be. And we never had that. But he came and it said last week, his, even his own didn't recognize him. They didn't accept him because he didn't look or act like they thought that he would. He wasn't the king that they wanted. They wanted a king that would come and swing the sword and defeat the Romans. But he was the king that we needed because he would deal with sin at the level of our heart. Remember what we read in Zechariah when we were talking about his triumphant entry. It says this king is going to be victorious and yet he's going to be humble. Philippians says that he was obedient to the father, even to the point of death, even to death on the cross. He was a king, not of our choosing, but of God's choosing. If you look back in the Old Testament, some of you know the story about Saul, the first king of Israel. He, he was a king after the people's choosing. Scripture calls David a king after God's own heart, a man after God's own heart. That means a man after God's choosing. God chose this one. He wasn't one that they thought would be the king. We choose things with a different motive and mindset from what he does. And he chooses rightly. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not from here. It's not going to be polluted with all the stuff that's in the world. I was born to testify to the truth. The truth is that, that it doesn't work like you think it's going to work because my kingdom isn't from here. It's something higher than what you have yet known. And Pilate asked, what is truth? What, what is what is truth? And, and again, culture asks it now. People ask it now. When, when you stand on the truth of the word, you get the man. What, yeah. what, what is what is truth? The truth for the world, the truth for us when we're living in sin is we think we've got the tiger by the tail. I'm in control of this when, in fact, it has us in its jaws. Because the wages of sin is death. You can feel like you have it under control in just a little bit. You won't. I promise. It's like buying a tiger and keeping it in your house, which apparently you can do. We've learned that recently. You can buy a tiger for not a whole lot of money and you can get them and they're little. Oh, and they're real cute. They're snuggly and people like to hug them. And, you know, you could have one in your house. It wouldn't be any bigger than your dog. But then they start getting bigger. And they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the apex predator of who they are begins to come out. And all of a sudden you realize this little baby tiger that I used to be real good in control of. Now I am no longer in control of. And that, that's sin in our life. We think we got the tiger by the tail when really we are in the jaws of death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What are we most afraid of? Death. Dying. Unless you, unless you look at the surveys, the surveys will say more people are afraid of public speaking than of death. I was like, I'm pretty sure if you give them an option, like, would you rather die or get up in front of people and say something? Well, I don't want to do either one, but let me get up in front of people and say something. Right? 
Because what are we afraid? There's no coming back from death. We know that there's something deep on the inside of us that knows that there's a survival instinct inside of us. And that's why we are afraid of death. And that's why Christ came and took it head on. What are you most afraid of? Dying. He's like, watch me. He took on what we're most afraid of, went down into the absolute depths of it, defeated it and came back. Dealt with everything that we could ever deal with, including the thing that we're all afraid of the most, death and dying. He said, I'm going to go and I'm going to take the teeth out of it for you. He came back. It couldn't even keep him. It wanted to. Death wants to keep you. Right. Couldn't keep him. Why? Because he's not like us. He came in the, in the form that we have, but he's better than us so that we could be like him. He chose to do that. He didn't have to do that. He did it for us. Went down into the very depths of it and then came back. So that we in, in Hebrew says it this way to, to break the back of the fear of death off of us so that we wouldn't have to be afraid of death anymore. Why? Because now we got an answer for it. Now we have an answer for it. If we're if we're of the, the, the family that believes in the truth that he told, he said, the ones that look on me, the ones that believe on me, they'll not perish. They'll not go down to death and be left there, but they'll have in me everlasting life. He said, this is why I was born. This is why I came into the world. All this stuff y'all were trying to get me to do, take over this politically, take over this governmentally. I'm going to do something that's bigger than that. Because that Roman Empire is gone now, and yet we still have a sin problem, right? He knew what the heart of the issue was and what the answer needed to be. He came as a witness to the work that the Father had crafted from the very beginning, a witness to the truth that we had our expected end under sin, and He came to give us the hope of salvation. I want to read that one more time and then we'll finish for today. And if Andrew will come up, we'll, we'll get ready to sing as we go. And then next week, what I want to talk about, because he, the king is coming. The king is coming. He said, this is why I came, was to testify to the truth. I was born, I came into the world for this reason. And next week, it's going to be because he lives, we can also walk in newness of life. I want to show you something really beautiful out of the Old Testament connecting the two that as long as the king is alive, there's hope for us as a people. So long live the king. Amen. Verse 36, finishing it up. Jesus answered him when he said, why did they bring you to me? What have you done? What, what, is, what is this even about? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would have fought to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you are a king. And Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. And all who love the truth recognize that what I say is truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can see the truth that Jesus came to testify of. 
that we in our misery, needing you but being without you, had set up kingdoms for ourselves, rulers for ourselves, lives for ourselves, and sin was closing in, the wages of sin, us living our life in our own way, doing things the way we want to do them, the end of that for us was death. But you came. Your gift to us is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That just like the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness and people who had been uh, uh, pierced and poisoned looked on it and were healed, that we are who, who have been pierced and poisoned by sin in our life, cut up by it and dying from it. We can look on the one that you raised up and we can find healing and health and wholeness, not just in our life now, but that we'll have an answer for that last day. That we don't just have an answer for today, a fear of death today, but we have an answer for that last day that waits for all of us. The one that death had gloated over, that it was going to see us on that day and going to take us down. That in you we have hope that the truth stands. It's, it stood from before. It stands today and it'll stand for all eternity because Jesus came and told about what he saw and what he knew. And everyone who listened knew, as John the Baptist said, that you were one that told the truth. Thank you for truth and light in a world full of lies and darkness that we find that in you and that you are more than enough. I thank you that we have that available to us even today, regardless of where we are, regardless of who, what, what we've done or where we've been, that you came not, uh, not blushing at anything in our life, not overwhelmed by anything in our life, our past or our present. You came for us with the full knowledge of exactly who we were and what we were capable of. And you loved us anyway. And you took on our punishment anyway. And today we choose to believe on that truth. I thank you that as we get ready to go, we go in peace and unity with each other. God, keep us safe. Uh, protect your people. I thank you that as we go through this week, Lord, that you order our steps. You put us in the right place at the right time with the right people. That you give us strength and peace under every situation. And that we will walk in the wisdom that comes from your word illuminated by the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you give each one what we have need of because you love us so much. And I thank you that you will continue to encourage us in who you are, what you've done. And that it overshadows everything we used to be, everything we ever did. And Lord, that our life from here continuing will be moving ever more towards you until we're at home with you forever. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.